The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So the practice that um, I'd like to share today is um, based on the teachings I received from my teacher, Sayadaw Uteshaniya. Um, and it's a different style of practice than um, you may have experienced here before. Um, it's more of a receptive practice than directing the attention to anything in particular. And so it's, it's really, I, I call it an open awareness practice or a receptive awareness practice. And so there's some, um, some just offerings I'll make in terms of how to practice with this with this style. And it can be a little bit um, uncomfortable at first if you're really used to choosing something to pay attention to and letting your attention land there. It can feel a little bit um, untethered or something to not to not be um, gravitating towards a particular object. But that discomfort at first, if you haven't done this style of practice before, is very normal. And so just, I'd encourage you to just play with this and, and work with it for the day. So I'd like to start um, by reminding us all of why we practice and what the, the Buddha's... Um, kind of aim or direction for this path that he offers. And a lot of people do come to meditation just to calm down, just to settle the mind. And that's a fine um, purpose for practice. And yet the, the, um, the direction of what the Buddha offered is much more uh, about understanding our minds, understanding what's going on and how and, how and why our minds contribute to our struggles. And so we're really, in, this, um, in the mindfulness practice, we are interested in learning about our minds. And uh, Joseph, at one point, said one of his teachers said to him, and it was like a kind of an eye-opening thing. Um, it was like five minutes of, of meditation, and then his teacher said something like, if you want to understand your mind and why it does what it does, you need to sit down and look at it. You need to observe it. And this is what we're really exploring here, is observing our minds, getting familiar with what's going on in there. There's a lot of capacity that we have to have a kind of more neutral stance to observe our minds. And this is really the stance of mindfulness that we explore cultivating, is, is a kind of a neutral stance that allows us to be curious about what is happening in our experience as human experience. Because the patterns of how, how our minds work, what they do, um, is largely similar from person to person. The various specifics of, of how we react and what, and, and what specific things we struggle and suffer about, the specifics are different. But the patterns of how this happens, the Buddha pointed to there being a lot of similarity. And we can begin to see, we can begin to understand this, in particular with some of the ways the Buddha articulated how and why our minds get caught and reactive to things. And so this is really what we are exploring, um, in particular today, where we're, 
we're not exploring so much the 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 um, stabilizing of the mind on one experience to settle the mind and and get concentrated in this way of a of a one pointed kind of experience, and so it will f- it, it if that's what you're used to, this will feel quite different. What we are really exploring here is this um, interest in getting to know our human experience, the entirety of our human experience. So knowing that we're seeing, knowing that we're hearing, knowing how we're responding to seeing and hearing, knowing what emotions and thoughts are arising in our mind and, and what beliefs are, are under, underlying what we are, um, how we are responding to the world. So this is, is our, um, our exploration and the, the, um, the, pa- the thing that we really need to explore here is really patience because as we start to look at our minds, and certainly this was the case for me when I first sat down and not even sat down, but just in my, in my daily life, my first practice was daily life practice, began being curious about what's going on in my mind. I saw so much reactivity so much stuff going on in there and the um the patience that we need to to cultivate about this is that we when we start seeing all this stuff in it that's going on in there first of all it's really helpful to remember and to recognize that seeing it is better than not seeing it because if we don't see these attitudes and views and reactivities or, or aren't seeing them how they're kind of guiding our choices and our actions, if we don't see that, then it's essentially we're kind of like we're, we're in a bus with somebody else in charge of driving the bus. Because the choices that our conditioning makes, it's like somebody, it's like the, the, the conditioning that we've um, had in our lives is, is making our choices for us. But when those um, reactive patterns, those views, those ideas are seen then there is some measure that, of choice that the mind has around what to do there. And the, the patience comes in largely what we explore, particularly in sitting meditation, particularly in our formal practice, is letting these things be in order to understand them. And so the, the exploration really is about beginning to understand our minds, the understanding that happens as we, we see, oh, this, this kind of reactivity is happening, this frustration, this anger, this aversion, this, this irritation, this is what's happening right now. And as we explore and are curious about, well, what is the human experience of anger or irritation or frustration? As we explore that, there's a, first of all, there's a kind of a, a, a sense that can happen as we have a, a stepped back or um, receptive mindfulness around those, we may be able to recognize, oh, irritation is happening and that's what's happening right now. That there might be a little bit of space around that reactivity. And when we experience our reactive patterns with this um, more balanced mindfulness... There's a, completely, there's a completely different experience around those. And we begin to see, there's kind of like a recognition or an understanding that exploring them in this way has a different um, direction for our minds. It doesn't 
reinforce those patterns and instead we begin to see that it's possible through the the patient witnessing of them that they begin to release, that they begin to unwind. And that the unwinding happens because we are learning and understanding something about how these patterns work and that they are not uh, conducive to well-being in the moment. And so this is, this is really why we practice. And this form of receptive awareness practice takes us very quickly to what's going on in our minds. It takes us very quickly to start to see the habitual tendencies that happen. And so we are cultivating uh, a way to reorient our mindfulness to receive these patterns and habits without reactivity, without either repressing them, pushing them away, or buying into them. And this is, this is essentially the, the stance or the kind of mindfulness we are um, moving in the direction of cultivating. And it will, it's, a, it's a process, and so some patience around, around this. So the style of receptive awareness, as I mentioned, is, is inspired by my teacher, Saida Uteshaniya. Um, and uh, it's really primarily this receptiveness of mindfulness. We can choose with our mind to choose something to pay attention to, to direct the attention. Pick the breath, for example, as a, an object to attend to. And certainly when I... Um, first started meditating, these were the instructions I got. And, and I thought that I was, um, I, I, I confused, I, I conflated mindfulness with being able to choose what I was paying attention to. And that was um, something that I thought for a long time, that if I wasn't picking what to pay attention to, that I wasn't being mindful. And yet that factor, that quality of being able to pick something to pay attention to. That's a a capacity that our minds have to choose an object out of experience and attend to it. But that is a separate function of mind than knowing what's happening in the present moment while it's happening, a kind of rough definition of mindfulness. That we can kind of step back and relax and not pick something and instead kind of see what, what wants to be known, what is obvious. What is being received by awareness? So this is, this is the stance that we are going to be exploring today, is not choosing what to pay attention to, but noticing that we're aware and noticing what's obvious. So the, the instructions that Saida offers are, are really pretty simple. There's kind of a, a few parts to it. The first is Relaxation. I'll just name these quickly and then go through each one a little bit. The first is relaxation. When we relax the system, relax the body, relax the mind, it creates the conditions for there to be a very natural awareness. That when the body body relaxes, it supports our mind to relax a little bit. And when the mind is not tense or kind of worried, concerned about past or future or even present, when the mind is relaxed, there's a very natural capacity for awareness. We can see this in in children and babies that, you know, that's just like 
a baby comes out of the womb just aware. Just aware. And this is a natural function that we have as human beings, to just be aware. But as we grow, as we learn, we start to get interested in our thoughts and interested in what we think about things and how we can navigate the world and get worried, concerned about it. And so our mind kind of uh, uh, forgets that capacity simple capacity to just be aware. When the mind is relaxed, it can be naturally aware. And so we start with relaxation, just relaxing, relaxing the body, relaxing the mind. And so relaxation is is the first piece. And then um, noticing that we're aware. This is the second piece. Are you aware? And of tuning in to what it's like to be aware. And I'll talk more about that. The third piece is noticing what is obvious. What is the mind naturally already aware of? When the mind is relaxed and aware, something is being known, whether we are choosing that or not. And so that we explore, rather than choosing what to attend to, being curious about what is already being attended to. So that's a third part. And the fourth part is... um, that just simply knowing what's happening in the moment while it's happening, being aware and knowing what we're aware of, that's the beginning uh, and, and in cu- encouraging this stance of curiosity around what's here, you know, this, this as a human experience rather than um, you know, as um, something to further my agenda, my agenda about who I am and what I do. So, for instance, um, um, there, there is in the Buddhist understanding an idea of wrong mindfulness. That uh, the, the, in the suttas it uses this language, wrong mindfulness, and it says that this wrong mindfulness is motivated by wrong view and wrong intention. And so a classic example of this is a thief in a house, very present, aware of what they're doing, walking through the house, but the motivation is not wholesome. This is not the motivation for this being aware to understand the human experience. It's the motivation to steal. So the, the, um, the, the motivation, the orientation of our, of our mindfulness is, is important here. And so this is the basic, um, what we bring to this, you know, am I aware and what am I aware of? What is the human experience of seeing or hearing or a thought or an emotion? And this is, this is the, the beginning of um, how, this, how this practice will help us to understand our minds to uh, start releasing us from the reactivity that we're kind of encaged by or imprisoned by. It's like we're imprisoned by our reactivity. And yet there's still, because our minds have so many layers and such a capacity to not see what's going on in the mind, like there's, there's um, you know, so many habits that we have been conditioned that we don't really notice habits and patterns of views and ideas and beliefs and reactions. So there's a lot of those that we don't notice. And one piece that really helps this practice, this this receptive practice to begin to uncover the deeper conditioning is to start to check into 
okay, there's this that's happening, I'm aware, and there's this that's obvious. And what's my relationship to it? How am I in relationship to this? Do I like it? Do I not like it? Do I want it to go away? Do I want it to keep happening? Am I confused? Do I have some idea or belief about what's going on? And so to to become aware of those also. And so this is um, checking the relationship or checking the attitude. So these are the four basic pieces. Relax. Am I aware? What am I aware of? And from time to time, checking the relationship to the experience. So I'll just say a couple words about, about these. Um, one of the ways into this in terms of a practice is to actually use questions. Um, and, and they can be quiet, little quiet questions, just simple like, aware? Am I aware? And if it's, if it's helpful to just drop the am I, it's just like, aware? With a question mark kind of. To, um, to use those questions to, to check in. Is there awareness happening? Again, starting with relaxation. And then once the mind is relaxed, just kind of checking in or noticing, am I aware? Is there awareness here? Am I already aware? And, and usually when we check into this, if you even think to check in, am I aware? most likely you are aware and you get to answer yes. There are some cases I know of people who kind of get in a rote mindset. They've they've reported, they just are, you know, lost thinking, am I aware, am I aware, am I aware, am I aware? And they're not aware. But if you are conscious of having that thought as opposed to just being kind of like a mantra repeating, the answer is yes, you are aware. Now you may not quite be able to know how you know you're aware. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a subtle experience. And it's not a specific experience. It's not something we can like, point to and say, yeah, I know I'm aware. It's much more of a, of a sense or an understanding that we're aware. And there is, as we get more familiar with it, as we get more familiar with being aware and checking into this question essentially is a way of getting familiar with this. So am I aware? Yeah, I know I'm aware. Not sure how I know, but I know I'm aware. And that's actually enough. If You, do, you don't have to look for how you know. But the, the repeated checking in to that, over time, and again, patience here, over time begins to um, help us to understand what it feels like, what the experience of mindfulness awareness is and i am using awareness and mindfulness simul- uh, as what's the word synonyms here they're they're not they're not i'm not using them differently so what we begin to get familiar with what is it the experience of awareness what is the experience of being mindful and that actually turns out to be incredibly helpful over time and so that's our first piece to check in am i aware is awareness here? And then, what's obvious? The second question. Again, this is, this is the, the mindfulness piece. The mindfulness has these two sides to it. There's the being aware and the knowing what awareness knows. So, am I aware and what is obvious? So, this could also be a question. Am I aware? What's obvious? 
Aware of what? And again, you can use these questions a little bit. Just explore potentially whether they support you or not. And the use of questions isn't to try to find an answer to think about, but much more to point you right into direct experience. So that's the way the questions are intended to, um, to be used. Drop in that question, am I aware, and check. Sometimes I, I describe the use of questions as kind of like ringing a doorbell. You ring the doorbell by asking the question, and then you wait to see who answers the door. So it's not, you're not going to know, you're not going to be able to, to look for that so much, but just set the step back and, am I aware of what? Receiving. Receiving. So the... Um, um, the the way the effort so this is an important part here um, this practice the way I learned it really is supported by relaxation and there can be this kind of confusion about well how do I make effort and stay relaxed and yet we can find that effort and relaxation are not opposites. There can be a kind of an effort to connect that's not tight or tense. And so this is an important part of the practice to explore staying relaxed and aware. Relaxed and aware. So how do we make effort and stay relaxed? Well, first I'll point to the the basic Knowing that we're aware in this moment, do you know you're aware? I'm just going to point some things out. Can you be aware of your hands right now? Sensations of your hands touching or however they are. How about a breath? Can you know a breath right now? How about the contact of your hips against the chair or cushion or bench? Can you know that right now? How hard is that? It's usually not that hard to just connect, just for a moment. That is the possibility of a more relaxed kind of connection. We do have to orient, to connect, or or to receive and know that, yes, this is what's, what's here. And for a moment... Usually, for a moment, we can, we can know, oh, this is what's happening right now. Can you know your feet? For a moment, it's not so hard. What's more challenging is to continue that over time, to... Uh, maintain a kind of a continuity of mindfulness over time. And this is where I think in meditation we tend to tighten up. We tend to start a meditation period and think, okay, I'm going to try to be mindful for this stretch of time. And yeah, I've really got to work to stay mindful. And it's almost like we, we start at the beginning by trying to be mindful for the entire 30 minutes or whatever it is in the first moment. It's like we try to bring up the effort to be mindful for a long stretch. But all that we can really do 
is be mindful for a moment. So we can know in this moment, am I aware of what? And then do it again with that same lightness. And again, and again, just this kind of light touch, short moments of knowing many times. And so the, 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 mo- the effort it takes in a moment is not much. Just this moment, and this moment, and this moment. Just the light touch moment after moment. And yet still we tend to have the idea, moment after moment, every moment for 30 minutes, oh, never going to be able to do that. So we have this idea of it's going to be hard. And we, we carry that idea into our mindfulness and it kind of, again, creates some con- contraction. And so seeing if you can just like set that idea aside, it's like, yeah, there's that idea. Maybe it's even being believed, but let's just play with this, you know, just this moment, just enough effort to be with this moment. That's it. Like right now, can you be with an in-breath? How about the out-breath? How about an in-breath? Just that level of effort. And of course, the mindfulness will get lost. There'll be, the mind will wander. And of course, this is, this is what our minds do. And so when the mindfulness returns, just the moment that the mindfulness returns, I mean, when the mind is lost, when the mindfulness is lost, when the mind is wandering in thoughts or lost in a state, spaced out or whatever, maybe not thinking so much, but not particularly mindful. Um, so when the mindfulness gets lost, there will be a moment when mindfulness returns. While the mindfulness is lost, there's not much you can do about it. It's like no choice there. Your mind is just doing its habitual thing. And yet there is a moment when mindfulness returns, when there's this, oh, I'm sitting in this room and I'm not having that conversation with that friend. Mindful again. The first thing to notice there is, Oh, aware again. Can you appreciate that awareness has returned in that moment? The the wandering's over. No need to have any kind of reactivity about that. Just, um, can you turn your, um, your, Rosemary, can you turn it down a little bit? It's, um, it's, it's giving some feedback. I think that's good. Maybe a little more down. Can you turn a little more down? Great. Perfect. Great. Um, so in the, in the moment that the mindfulness returns, um, that noticing of the return of mindfulness, aware again, kind of almost celebrate that. Because we are. It's, it's like mindfulness is back. There's the possibility to cultivate the, the capacity to know our minds again. And so in that moment, after the mind has returned from wandering, here I am, aware again. Now, often in that moment, we have, in our more familiar style of practice, if you've practiced a directing the attention to the breath or something, the first thing we often do is, okay, mindful, come back to the breath. The practice here is different. And so rather than picking something to, to come back to, to orient back to. The, the curiosity is aware again. The mind has been wandering. And in fact, when the mind wanders, when the mind kind of goes off, essentially, you know, whatever is going on in the mind creates an experience, whether we're aware of it or not. When the mind wanders, 
thinks about things, goes into states. It's like there's a new experience happening now that's, that may be different from what was happening before the mind wandered. And so the curiosity there is, okay, aware again. And what's the landscape that I've woken up into? Because when our mind wanders off into thoughts and thinking, it creates a new landscape. It's like we've landed on a different planet. So aware again, and what planet am I on? Am I on the aversion planet? Am I on the frustration planet? Am I on the arguing planet? Am I on the planning planet? What, what planet am I on here? So when you become aware again, curiosity about where you are in that moment. Take that in. So kind of noticing in that moment, aware, and what's obvious is probably connected to that landscape of that of the planet that we've landed on. So that's, again, that's what we do. There's nothing to get back to in particular except to be aware of what is here in this moment, what is already here. This practice actually ends up being quite simple once we learn about this and it's not a, it's not actually a, a simple learning because we have so much habit around feeling like we need to be in charge of what the mind is doing when we um, become aware you know, it's like I'm supposed to be in control of the mind aren't I and so uh, we have so much tr- uh, conditioning around that that it can be a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit unfamiliar to simply notice what's already here and yet it's also over time, as, as if that becomes familiar, as we begin to be able to recognize that, this practice becomes quite simple. There's not a lot that we have to do other than connect with what's already happening. And so when the mind gets lost in thought, noticing that you're aware, noticing what has become obvious... Sometimes when the mind has gone into something, if it's a reactivity that the mind has gone into there, um, there can be a pull. You might notice that it's hard to kind of stay out of that reactivity or whatever that state is. And if that's the case, if you, if it's, if you notice that you're aware and that the mind is just consumed by anger and not easy to simply recognize, oh, anger is what's happening right now. Instead, you start thinking about the anger and going back into the story. If that's what ha- is happening in that moment, it can be really useful to use some of your familiar tools to help you stay connected. So at that point, you are welcome to you know, pick something to pay attention to in the present moment, like the breath, for a few moments. Just remind yourself, help yourself let go of that pull to whatever that difficulty is, reconnect to the present moment. And then once that that is is happening, come back to, okay, aware and what's obvious. So the, the use of some kind of primary object or something to direct the attention to at that moment can be quite helpful when the mind want, when the mind comes back from wandering. And so the, the, the last piece, so we've talked quite a bit about relax, recognizing awareness, what am I aware of, and then the wandering mind. And then the attitude, the relationship to experience. This is um, 
important piece because so much of our uh, suffering, our um, uh, reactivity is kind of below the surface of our conscious awareness. And if we're not aware of those attitudes, of those relationships, as I said, they're kind of in charge. They're, they're unwittingly, we may be reinforcing them if we're not aware of them. And so this um, checking into the relationship can help to pull into consciousness these uh, relationships, these potentially reactive relationships to experience. And so the, just the gentle question again, ringing that doorbell, what's the relationship? Not looking for it or trying to figure it out, but just <coughs> what's the relationship to what's happening right now? Stepping back and seeing if something kind of wants to show up there. Sometimes if we just ask that question, it's like scratching the surface of our subconscious and something will kind of pop in. It will, it will become obvious if we even think to check. So every now and then, and I'd say this is not something to do with every moment. You know, am I aware? What am I aware of? What's the attitude? Oh, what's the relationship to that? Oh, and that, and that, and that. It kind of can get into an endless regress at times. And so it would be helpful just from time to time in the period of um, a sitting, maybe every three or four minutes, check in. And what's my, my relationship to experience? There's going to be four basic flavors of relationship. Many specifics, but four basic flavors. There's going to be the, the flavor of wanting something to happen, wanting something to continue. So that, that desire, that, that wanting, the, the um, attitudes or relationships based in greed. There's going to be potentially the, um, the not liking something, the, the not wanting something to be here, the attitudes based in aversion. And this includes those, those kind of uh, anger relationships, the kind of, there's a wide range here, you know, the, the wanting to get rid of something by pushing it away, the, the anger, the hatred, the wanting to annihilate something, there's that side of things. And then there's the, the wanting to remove oneself, so the fear side of things, the anxiety, the fear, the um, and then many flavors in there of irritation or annoyance. So that, uh, that kind of flavor of aversion might be there. Third flavor is a flavor of delusion. And this one is more complex, but right now I'll just point to a couple ways that this can be recognized. There's there's some, you know, kind of disconnection from experience. That's the basic, the, the moment when we return from our mind wandering, um, we are coming out of disconnection. And so sometimes in that moment when mindfulness returns, we um, we can have a little bit of a sense of the difference between what it's like to be lost, so that disconnection from experience, and what it's like to be aware now. So in the moment when mindfulness returns, we, we can get a flavor of that, that disconnection from experience. But also in that moment, that's a, a great moment to begin to get familiar with the experience of mindfulness in contrast to that disconnection. There's a difference there, and we can begin to, to notice that difference. So that's one flavor of the, of the delusive relationships. It's just not noticing things, just kind of spaced out or unaware. Uh, another flavor might be confusion. 
What am I supposed to do here? That kind of question. Not particularly greed or aversion, but just this spinning or confusion. That's a flavor of, of delusion. Oh, maybe I should do that. Oh, no, maybe I should do that. That kind of, of state of mind. Kind of this wavering quality. And a third flavor is um, beliefs. And so sometimes we can, we can check in uh, more specifically around this. You know, what's being believed right now? And again, not trying to figure it out, but just what's being believed right now? And then seeing if there's a belief that's willing to reveal itself. And then the fourth flavor of attitude or relationship is uh, actually one of the most important. It's balance of mind. It's ease. It's okayness with what's happening. We often do not notice it when we are okay with what's happening. And so in the checking of the relationship, we often are kind of looking for greed, aversion, or delusion. But sometimes what's there is just, well, this is okay. And it's really important to know that. Because that is is the kind of place where our mind is more balanced. Oh, there's frustration arising, and I'm okay with that. So recognizing the okayness begins to point us back to what my teacher, Sayada Utejaniya, calls wise attitude. The relationship to experience that is okay with whatever is happening in our experience. And we find our way to that wise attitude or okayness with experience by getting to know those reactive attitudes, by getting to know the attitudes of gr- that related to greed, aversion, delusion. When we can know the mind of wanting, desire, leaning towards something, or aversion, wanting to get rid of something, when we can know that with a kind of uh, awareness, a balanced mind, then that, that um, reactivity is no longer kind of functioning as a driving force in our minds. It's, it's, not, it's not got the same power as it does when it's not seen. And so sometimes this is an important um, understanding to connect to because certainly when I first started this practice, you know, becoming aware of my anger, I thought, you know, isn't this, doesn't this just reinforce the anger to just know that it's happening? But I was willing to play with it and try, you know, okay, because I had tried everything else and nothing else was working. And somebody sent me a book about mindfulness. And I th- thought, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm willing to give it a try. You know, I don't see how being aware of my anger is going to make me less angry. But um, just that curiosity again of, oh, this is the experience. This is the human experience. Yes, anger. Yep, that, yep angry. Okay, boy, that hurts. Just the simplicity of that, very quickly over the course of a couple of weeks, I began to see this does not make me more angry. Actually, it creates the conditions for the mind to be able to let go of it, for the mind to be able to see, first of all, how much pain it's causing in the moment, and for there to be a shift around it. And so over the course of several weeks, I quickly saw there was much more um, ability to to navigate the anger skillfully, 
than I had before. Before I was kind of like, you know, just getting frozen. I would find myself non-functional because I was so angry. I would be frozen in the midst of that angry, in that prison of anger, not able to, to do anything. And very quickly this practice created the conditions for me to be able to navigate that, to notice, oh yes, that's happening. And I can continue what I'm doing. So this is an important piece to recognize that being mindful with a a, a curiosity about these experiences creates a completely different set of conditions in the mind than um, when the the anger or the uh, reactivity is in charge of um, making the choices. So... um, we're going to take a do some practice now, and um, let's just take a stretch break, a f- very brief. I just um, let's see how long. If you need to to use the the bathroom, that's fine. Um, but we are going to start a guided meditation here pretty quickly. So I'm not going to wait for everybody to come back. It'll be about a half an hour. So if you can wait half an hour to use the the restroom, that would be great. So let's just take a short stretch break. <coughs> 